You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. I hope everyone out there is staying safe, is staying clean, is staying healthy. Wash your hands, wash your butt, man. That's it. Unfortunately, it seems like this is all going to get a lot worse before it gets better. We're going to talk a lot of football today. A lot to get to. Joe Thomas is here. Former Wisconsin Badger, former top draft pick, former All-Pro and future Hall of Famer Joe Thomas is on the show today to talk about his former teammate Christian Kirksey and his fellow Badger offensive lineman Rick Wagner, how they fit into the team, and a lot more. We'll go into more than just those two things, a lot of insight that we can get from Joe. But before we get there, know the Packers didn't make any signings on Thursday. We'll continue to monitor that. A lot of things that we got to in our day show on Thursday in the middle of the day. At that point, you know, we we had a lot on our plates between the Brandon Cooks trade rumors and Darius Slay being traded. A lot of stuff to talk about. And we have the big story today that I want to start with. The Rams cut Clay Matthews. And a lot of fans of media, particularly the plugged-in reporter class of Packers media, the Tom Silversteins, the Rob Domofskys, floated the idea of Clay Matthews returning to Green Bay. Now, you'll remember last offseason, the Packers made little effort to bring back Matthews. He considered uh, a pay cut, said he would have played inside if they'd asked him to. He wanted to stay in Green Bay. The Packers said thanks, but no thanks. They signed Zedarius and Preston Smith, drafted Rashawn Gary, and immediately gave Rashawn Gary Clay Matthews' old number. And Clay even made a joke about it on Twitter, about the body not even being cold, and they were already giving away his number. So it seems unlikely that the Packers would go that route. It seems unlikely that Clay Matthews would want to come back to be outside linebacker four or inside linebacker two to be someone who's only on the field 30% of snaps. He played a significant role for the Rams last year. He was a real player for them. He thought he was going there to compete for a Super Bowl. Where can he go this year to compete for a Super Bowl? Well, it could be in Green Bay. Let's be honest and clear here. I do not think... This will happen, but there are reasons for both sides to make it make sense. Number one, Green Bay does not have that base second linebacker. 
that guy who's going to play 30-35% of snaps when the Packers actually play two true inside linebackers on the field. Last year it was B.J. Goodson. B.J. Goodson is now in Cleveland. Clay Matthews is not a cover linebacker, but he is someone who could come in on early downs, first down, um, second and short, or whatever it is, third and short. If Whenever they're going to play those two linebackers, that traditional 3-4 base, he can come in and, and fly around and make some plays and create a little chaos. The other part of this is that fits perfectly with what he should be doing if he's going to play inside. He's an older player, doesn't have the same sort of legs, so if he's going to be playing inside, it should be on a limited basis. Well, that fits perfectly with what Green Bay would ask him to do. It's also the case that Mike Patton's favorite personnel grouping last year was the 1-4-6 with three outside linebackers. It was Kenny Clark and then Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and either Rashawn Gary or Kyler Fackrell. Well, Kyler Fackrell is no longer on the team. He's in New York with Blake Martinez. So could you use a piece like Clay Matthews who can play outside as a pass rusher, who can play inside. He had one of his best seasons by pressure rate in his career last year. His 17% pressure rate, according to Pro Football Focus. And that is way better than he was playing at the end of his career. Now, Pro Football Focus also tweeted this stat out yesterday. Since 2009, there have been 136 players that played 1,000 snaps at inside linebacker. Matthews grade ranks 29th overall, 84.5. 84.5 is a very good grade. That means he was a well above average inside linebacker. Now, the last time he played that in any kind of depth was 2014. He does not have the same sort of athleticism that he did then, but he still has enough of that athleticism to be an early down inside linebacker and give you some juice as your outside linebacker three and a half in passing situations, if he's willing to take a role like that and take the, you know, the the money pay cut that he would likely have to take to come to Green Bay, there are reasons to like this for Green Bay and for Clay Matthews. He gets to come home. And oh, by the way, David Bakhtiari put out the call on Twitter for him to come back. And Aaron Rodgers liked the tweet from Rob Domofsky about a potential return. So his teammates or his former teammates are also into this idea. There are a lot of reasons that it makes sense for the Packers. Now, somewhat related to this, Clay Matthews' teammate, Todd Gurley, got released also. Rams are struggling with cap space problems. We talked about the Brandon Cooks deal yesterday and the potential for a trade there. They're still trying to get a trade worked out. And I don't frankly see it happening, but We'll see what happens. They straight up released Todd Gurley. They tried to get a trade. No one was willing to do it because the money was prohibitive. And now he is released. Well, that puts Green Bay in a position to realize so many of the players who sign these big money deals at running back don't work out. And they have a running back who is in that caliber of player. Aaron Jones was a Pro Bowl caliber player last year. I thought should have been an all-pro caliber player last year. And he's going to be in the last year of his deal in 2020. What do you do with Aaron Jones? And, I mean, if you can get him at the Austin Eckler deal, done. Do it. The Todd Gurley deals, 
the Ezekiel Elliott deals, these are prohibitively expensive. Running backs provide value. Running backs are valuable to a team. They're also interchangeable. You can find running backs. Aaron Jones himself is proof of this notion because he's a fifth-round pick. Wasn't even the first running back the Packers took in his own draft class, and he's turned out to be a star player. So does Todd Gurley serve as a cautionary tale for the Packers? How will they handle a second contract? I am not the kind of person who says never give out a second contract to a running back. I think there are exceptions. I think certain players, guys who especially who can who can contribute in the passing game in meaningful ways, and we saw Aaron Jones do that last year. They have value above normal running backs. I think Christian McCaffrey is the kind of running back you can pay. Alvin Kamara is the kind of running back you can pay. And I think Aaron Jones is the kind of running back you can pay because he's your second or third best receiver as well. In the case of Le'Veon Bell, he was he was their like second best receiver, or at least most targeted. Now, not most useful, and that's a different distinction. And, and certainly not most impactful relative to the average player at the position. So I expect Green Bay to draft a running back at some point in this draft. I expect them to have plans in place. But this is just another reminder that this position is... I don't want to say not valuable because it's it's not that they're not valuable. It's that they're interchangeable. So an individual player's value relative to the average player is not as high at other positions. And I think Green Bay will base its decision on what to do with Aaron Jones on all of this information. It is staring them in the face. And if they don't use this information, they could end up making a, a mistake with a contract that Two years in, three years in, just like the Rams did, they regret. All right, he is a 10-time Pro Bowler, a seven-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro. Come on, that should have been nine first-teams. Get out of here with that. He is a former Wisconsin Badger, a former Cleveland Brown. He's now the co-host of the Tomahawk Show with Andrew Hawkins. Joe, thanks for coming on Locked on Packers. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be on. So uh, we have to start with with the big topic on everyone's mind. Where where are you right now as you are are trying to to hunker down with all of this coronavirus? How are you passing the time? Yeah, I'm uh, just hanging out in the house with the fam um, in Wisconsin. I live in the Madison area, and you know, for the first few days here, we've uh, been managing pretty well. Um, you know, kids are driving each other nuts, but feeling you know fortunate. <laughs> obviously, understanding that. The situation for people across the world is very uncertain and, and scary. And, um, yeah. you know, I think the first thing whenever something crazy like this happens is, you know, you get that that protector instinct where you, you want to take care of your family and take care of the people that are immediately close to you. And once you feel like, okay, we've kind of managed that situation and those people are safe, and then immediately you start thinking about all the other people that are in really tough situations and, you know, what you can do to help. And this is yeah. such a unique, difficult situation where the first thing you want to do is get out there and lend a helping hand by putting in some work, but you can't even do that. So really, you know, for us, the, the situation mm-hmm. is all right. How financially, what, what can we do to try to reach out in our communities and, and help people in this time of great need? Yeah, I, it's uh, it's it's mad times, and and I hope everyone who's listening is 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 staying safe. 
Um, the, the football side of this uh, and the NFL decided they were going to go forward with the new league year and, and try and engage in some level of normalcy. And that's why you're here. That's what you're here to talk about. And you are sort of the perfect person to talk about what the Packers have done in free agency to date. Uh, it started with the signing of a former teammate of yours, Christian Kirksey, someone who you had already sent uh, a pretty pretty incredible praise on Twitter when he was uh, released from, from the Browns. Tell me a little bit about your experience with Christian Kirksey. Yeah, Kirko was a great friend and a great teammate of mine when we were in Cleveland together. We went through some really tough times, and a lot of times you form great bonds with people when you deal with difficult situations. Both of us were on the team when we went 1-15 and 0-16, and, and mm-hmm. the respect that I have for Kirko goes beyond just what he has as a player, and I think he's a fantastic player. He's not your biggest linebacker, but he's one of the biggest hitters that I've ever been around. He's so bright. He's so smart. He was always the quarterback of that defense. He's played for Mike Pettin in that defense before, so he's got incredible familiarity, and I think that was a big reason why they were excited to be able to sign him because they know he's going to be a great fit. But it goes beyond that because he was a leader in that locker room. He was a guy that young players could turn to. He mentored young players, even guys at his own position that were drafted to replace him, and you don't see that very often. A lot of times NFL players are very protective of their mm-hmm. own jobs and rightfully so you know you draft a guy to replace me i'm not going to sit up there and try to help this guy take my job <laughs> right i'm, I'm going to be right. protective of my own job but perko is not the type of player he's uh, a wonderful human being he was fantastic in the community the way he gave back he was a walter payton man of the year winner in cleveland for us um but more than that you know going through those tough seasons that we had in cleveland one win in two years He was still the guy that was putting in max effort. He was putting in extra time after practice, getting guys ready. He was motivating guys on the practice field in times where it would have been really easy to just mail it in and say, you know what, we're not very good. We're not going to be very good. I'm going to put in the bare minimum. No, he actually was still going above and beyond. And the energy that he brought to practices and games was infectious. And it kept that team together in a situation where most teams would have fractured. So the Packers should feel extremely lucky. The only drawback, obviously, which everybody knows about, is he has been injured the last couple years. But if they're able to keep him healthy, they got a real steal with Christian Kirksey. Yeah, you were were around Mike Patton, and and obviously his tenure in Cleveland did not go the way that that he hoped or anyone in Cleveland hoped. But I've been really impressed with him, the way that he's handled himself, the way that he's handled his players and the media in his time in Green Bay. What was your your impression of, of him as a coach? Yeah, I love Mike Penn. I thought he was a tremendous coach. He was the hard-nosed, tough guy, but he also made things fun. You know, and I think that's a, a great balancing act that is tough for a lot of coaches. Like some guys, they want to be disciplined, they want to be tough, but they have a hard time relating to players and allowing players to show personality and have fun with it. Um, and it becomes drudgery. And if you hit any rough patches, a lot of times it's hard to bring them through. But I thought Pet was was awesome. I think um, for a head coach, like being a defensive minded guy, sometimes it's tough because you don't have that experience on the offensive side of the ball. But um, as a defensive coordinator, I can see that Packer fans have got to love him because he brings that energy, he brings that excitement, and he runs a great defense. He's got a great scheme, and the players just naturally gravitate to him. Yeah, and and another guy, was I went back and watched some of that, uh, Mike Patton, uh, Christian Kirksey tape, and and had almost forgotten that Tremont Williams was on that team too, and, and he looks like he's going to keep going here, the ageless wonder. 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I, I played with Tremont and he he was coming to Cleveland and they said he was the old guy. Now he's still playing and I'm <laughs> now going into my third year retired. Uh, it's uh, pretty amazing. He, guys like that, I just got so much respect for because like I said, I played 11 years in the NFL and the wheels were falling off at about year eight and a half for me. So for a guy like Tremont to keep going and playing at a high level like him, you got to tip your hat. So on the offensive line, this is an arena where you know a thing or two about offensive line play, one of the the greats of your generation. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the line with me. Uh, you have a, a fraternity brother, so to speak. Rick Wagner is going to be a Green Bay Packer, your fellow uh, Wisconsin Badger. What have you seen from from Wagner over the last few years, and what do you think he can he can bring to the Packers? I think Rick is a tremendous pickup for the Packers. Obviously, Brian Bulaga was a really good player for him, albeit yeah. injured quite often. And so um, when Ricky was with the, the Badgers, I always saw him as a great talent. His junior year, I thought for sure he would be a, a first-round pick whenever he decided to come out. And for some reason, people got sour on him his senior year. But I still saw the ability to bend and move in those difficult positions that you have to when you're an offensive tackle, you've got to be able to bend your elbows, knees, or your ankles, knees, and your hips and get into difficult positions and move quickly in those difficult and compromising positions. That's what makes uh, offensive tackle play difficult and the guys that can do that valuable. And I always thought Rick could do that. Um, and he was able to prove it, although he had to take a tough route going uh, much lower than he expected in the NFL draft to the Baltimore Ravens and then signing a good contract with the Detroit Lions. I think the Packers got a, a really good player in Ricky Wagner. He's a good athlete, and he fits with what Matt LaFleur wants to do with the outside zone scheme and the play-action passes. So um, Packers fans are going to be really happy, I think, having Rick Wagner at right tackle. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that uh, with the outside zone scheme. Um, how, how different is it for these offensive linemen? I mean, the Packers made the adjustment last year. They were a, a predominant inside zone team with Mike McCarthy going to that outside zone scheme. How, how different as an offensive lineman is that for you? Well, it's different, but in a good way. Like the hardest thing an offensive lineman or an offensive tackle has to do is drop back pass where the quarterback gets the football and he stands right behind the center at eight or nine yards and he just throws the ball on a consistent basis because what it does <laughs> yeah. is it gives the whole defense especially the defensive line a spot to target and to tee off on and as an offensive lineman you're reacting to what he does and if he knows the quarterbacks in the same spot time and time again they can put him put the first guy in for two plays they can rotate him out and the next guy's going to come in and he's not going to miss a beat he's going to just tee off on that spot and it's like rushing a, a pass rush dummy whereas when you're running the outside zone He's got a gap that he has to be able to defend. And a lot of times you're running at him. You're changing where the launch point is or where the quarterback's throwing the football. So he has to read, and there's a half a second to a one-second gap before he's able to transition from reading run the pass, reading my gap, till he can transition to rushing the passer. And in a game where three seconds is a completed pass, and three and a half seconds is a sack, which is usually kind of how the breakdown is. One second is a big deal. And so giving offensive linemen mm -hmm. a, basically a one second pass in every play makes your job so much easier. Yeah, and that's part of the challenge with Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position, right? You, you, you can hold up for three seconds and the ball might not come out. Are there added challenges? I assume there are of not beyond just you know, hey, he's going to hold the ball a little bit longer, but hey, he might move around. He might, you know, he might break the pocket. I mean, what is that like when you have uh, a quarterback that like that back there? 
though I can say firmly of the 20 some quarterbacks that I played for <laughs> with the Cleveland Browns, none of them looked anything like Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately. Sure, maybe I'd sure. still be playing or at least would be having a lot more success when I was playing. Um, but certainly it makes it a little bit more difficult. I mean, you, what, all you can do as an offensive lineman is take care of your job to the best of your ability, which usually means I'm going to block what the play calls for. And then if my guy keeps rushing, I'm going to just try to block him wherever he's trying to go. And you try to keep yourself in whatever position he's trying to get to, uh, because you don't have eyes in the back of your head. You can't tell where the quarterback is, but as long as my guy is running, I want to stop him from going where he wants to go. And, you know, it, it, a lot of times it, you just got to be able to trust that uh, Aaron is going to make something happen. So give your best effort until you run out of gas, and then hopefully the ball gets thrown. If you were going to identify one place, now that we've seen some of the moves that they've made with Kirksey and, and Wagner, is there – uh, a spot where you think the Packers can make, you know, one more move and, and really elevate themselves? You know, that's a good question because this is the point of free agency where you start to get some bargains. And so those guys that maybe three days ago, everyone kind of assumed we're going to get those huge dollar contracts. And all of a sudden they are players that maybe didn't get those contracts. And a lot of that money kind of has dried up. So now teams are going back and they're giving a second look at a lot of these players that they assumed were going to be gone. But now that their value uh, has improved because their price has dropped, they, they kind of take a second peek at it. And so I, I look at a guy like Melvin Gordon and Jadevian Clowney. Uh, those are two guys that I think a lot of people kind of assumed they would be right going at the top of the free agent market on a Monday or a Tuesday. And now all of a sudden they're still available for a variety of reasons. You get teams like Packers who maybe don't have a dire need at one of those positions, but are going to say like, Hey, we can have this guy at a good value. We might as well throw our hat in the ring and see if we can throw an offer out there and see what happens. Yeah, there were, it was reported the Packers were, were involved in, in trade talks in the Yannick Ngakwe sweepstakes. So Jadavion Clowney, not, not that different a kind of player. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I, can't, I can't talk Packers and, and their offensive line and, and not ask you about David Bakhtiari because it seems like you know, he's, he still can't get the respect he deserves in terms of these Pro Bowl things. But if you could, if you could sum up uh, what makes him so tough for a defender to try and get around, what is it? Well, David's got tremendous consistency in his pass set. He's a great athlete, athlete yes. He's got great power, great technique, yes. But the difference between an offensive lineman who's average and who's great, and David Bakhtiari is absolutely great, if he's not the best pass-blocking offensive lineman in the NFL, he is definitely in that conversation. Absolutely. I sure. totally totally believe it. And to be able to consistently have the same pass set, and it looks exactly the same over and over again, allows you to be consistent. And consistency is the mark and the hallmark of greatness as an offensive tackle. It's great to pancake guys. It makes the coaches and the players excited. The fans get all jazzed. But if you're giving up three sacks a game and it's third and ten and the team is counting on you and you're giving up sacks consistently and you're getting beat and giving up TFLs, then you're no good to your team no matter how many pancakes or how many great blocks you make. So it's the lack of negative plays that make you a great offensive lineman. And nobody does that better than David Bakhtiari. Thanks, Joe. This was awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. Cool. Thanks a lot, Peter. All right, I want to thank Joe again for joining the show. Awesome stuff there. That was that was great. And always insightful to get. I, I admitted this on Twitter. 
Offensive line evaluation is not my forte. It's why I rely on Sports Info Solutions and Pro Football Focus and and pass block win rate and stuff like that. It's just not my forte. I'm not. I don't have a, a gift for it. And that's why it's great to have someone like Joe come on and say this is this is why. This is this is why it works. This is why it doesn't work. This is the nuance of it. So that was great there. And and he's clearly excited. He thinks this is going to work. Christian Kirksey, Rick Wagner. From what I heard, uh, and I've, I've been asking around specifically about Rick Wagner because, again, offensive line, not my forte. And the consensus is he's solid. He's a downgrade from Brian Bulaga, but he's solid and can be solid for Green Bay. Joe seems to think maybe he can even be better than he was in Detroit because of the the scheme and what it affords him with the Green Bay Packers. All right, we're going to be back next week. A lot can happen between now and Monday. There's still going to be stuff going on over the weekend, so hopefully we come back with with more conversations to be had. We still don't have receivers off the board. So uh, there, there could be guys signing, which will give us an indication of the market. There could be more trades. There's some stuff burbling under the surface here, so a lot more to get to in the coming days and weeks. We are still on course for an April draft, so a month from now, you know, we'll be days from, that's weird, but it's true. A month from now, we will be just a few days from the NFL draft. So the the, the Packers podcast, the Lockdown Packers podcast does not stop. We are going to have so much more to get to free agency. There's going to be a second wave of free agents. We'll have post-June 1 designation cuts. And even though it sounds like we're not going to have some of these pro days, and, and stuff like that. We will still have scuttlebutt. We will still have anonymous scouts. We will still have rumors and reports and stuff to talk about. So stay locked on Packers always. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920 920- 341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.